0: Lopa at large i 'm not low paid the political season is heating up, not that it ever really cools down nowadays. There were primaries in several states this past Tuesday. The hearings into the January sixth insurrection are being televised there 's a national debate over gun control. Wealthy, often conservative donors are flexing their muscles, spending to defeat progressive candidates. The Russian invasion of Ukraine that was predicted to end in months has metastasized into grain shortages worldwide. And uh, energy costs are rising along with global inflation. It reminds me of the old Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. But that means we have interesting news to discuss, especially political and economic news. And joining us now is one of our favorite guests, journalist Bob Henley, who reports on for for public radio, Salon, the chief leader, and other news organizations, and is the host of a Monday morning show here on WBAI called What's Going On. His book, Stuck Nation, Can, be, can the United States Change Course on Our History of Choosing Profits Over People, was published by Democracy at Work last June and I'm very pleased to welcome Bob Henley back to our show now. Hi Bob.
1: Hello hello hello, hello. <laughs> hi
0: We had a, a little problem there for just a moment. Uh, there are so many interesting things to discuss. I'm not sure we can get to all of them uh, but let's start with the, the first of six televised hearings on the January 6 attack on the Capitol that was held yesterday. Did you watch it?
1: I did every bit of it
0: uh, And we, were there any surprises? <laughs>
1: I would say that the uh, timeline uh, and the uh, the way that there was an integration of what was happening outside, inside, also the degree to which uh, Donald Trump was apprised that he had lost mm. early on
0: by his own uh, daughter,
1: and, and not just that, but by the functionaries within his mm. uh, apparatus, his election apparatus, and it just really exposed the cynical nature of the entire enterprise, uh, their pivotal moments were the meeting with, um, I guess, uh, General Flynn and uh, Giuliani, and then finally uh, with Trump in the White House and uh, the grown-ups that were there, such as they were from the uh, White House counsel's office, scrambles in. Uh, that's the time at which, uh, after that late night delusional meeting, Trump sends out that uh, first tweet, which really gets the troops riled up that things are going to be wild. I mean, it really lays out uh, the premeditated nature of it. uh, And it also gives you a sense of how long three hours is of non-action by the commander-in-chief. This was, in essence, a coup where the script was flipped in that it was withholding of military action by the commander-in-chief for desired end, which was to subvert the election and remain in power.
0: Well, with a handful of exceptions, Republicans have opposed holding any hearings, and and Fox isn't carrying the hearings live. Despite some damaging findings about the insurrection, do you think Republicans can avoid accountability if they win in November, uh which— polls indicate, is it totally possible?
1: Well, yeah, I I would say that it's also important to understand that this is an ongoing, we have to really forget the United States we uh, used to think of. This is like, say, Brazil. This Hmm. is an ongoing, like a lava lamp, an ongoing insurrection. It's important to know that in the parallel universe, but also in the radio dial on 770 ABC, you can hear uh, Commander Giuliani in exile On Master master, uh, Mr. Katsumatidis, the billionaire who's trying to break the Teamsters local, uh, who uh, worked at his oil company, who owns WABC. There is a full lineup of counter narrative in the New York market. Fifty thousand watts of tremendous power. Hmm. And they are in full denial. They are laying out something that is continuing to carry forward the big lie. So it is not stopped. Uh, Fox News is just the tip of the iceberg.
0: But conflict between the parties seems to be at one of the all-time highs.
1: Well, I would say that one of the problems is that uh, there is so much going on in terms of foment. And the level of dysfunction uh, with, of course, Uvalde being an example. I mean, consider the juxtaposition, juxtaposition, I'm not the first person to point this out, between the brave Capitol police who we saw just in gory detail last night. And then the image of the how many officers outside Uvalde, that classroom yes. of those children were being decimated. I mean, it is a time of um, of great dysfunction and of disequilibrium, which is continuing in a highly inflationary environment where the market went down a lot of points.
0: I'm an old man, but I worry about grandchildren. <laughs> and the, the world that they're inheriting. Now, the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol was formed in July 2021. Why is it taking 11 months before the proceedings could be even televised?
1: Well, I think if you uh, track the TikTok of this, uh, the obstructionism, which is part of the ongoing coup attempt, uh, and the... Uh, is the way that all the parties that were locked in this adversarial thing when it came to document production. So every step of the way, just like with Donald Trump's tax returns, uh, these folks that are trying to overthrow the United States government uh, and install a white supremacist fascist government uh, minority rule uh, uh, pretty much have used the legal system as best they can to hold up uh, the fact-finding and the prosecution of what is, uh, you know, something that we've never seen. I mean, I would also but, but, say wait, that, But don't you think ahead.
0: it's a little, could it be a little self-defeating because it, it's now closer to the November elections?
1: Well, I, I think the thing is if you believe in the chaos theory that um, you benefit the degree to which you keep any kind of system off balance, uh, and if you keep uh, people in a fractured state— Uh, Then you can you can benefit from that. And the underlying uh, chaos and the underlying dynamic goes to those that are well organized. And that's when you can have a minority that's uh, aggressive and uh, has this passion, um, seize control. And that's kind of what's happened.
0: Well, parallels are being drawn to the 1973 Watergate hearings, but might this also be compared to the hearings that investigated Iran-Contra in 1987? Several people like Caspar Weinberger were indicted, but then pardoned by George H.W. Bush.
1: So I have a universal force field that kind of connects that period of time uh, of Watergate. It's my thesis. I know that pundits, uh, uh, you know, uh, would say, I think the Uh, The Bernstein, well, actually, the the received line of wisdom uh, from uh, Bob Woodward, uh, more correctly, has been that Gerald Ford was was very heroic uh, when he actually um, pardoned Richard Nixon. Hmm. And it's been fascinating to watch the film treatments of, uh, like, Gaslit uh, and others that go back and look at the social history of that. And what we see is that you have... uh, Cheney and Rumsfeld in that White House when Ford came in, uh, facilitating this this pardon. And you have, you know, Roger Stone, who was a young acolyte, and the same worldview of Liddy. And because we never got to the bottom of that, that rot has continued to eat away at the center of the country's Uh, governance.
0: Is it ironic that Liz Liz Cheney is such a strong advocate right now?
1: Well, of course, uh, it it is ironic. And I think that it does show that there is this sweet spot where we can say uh, that the rule of law has at least some um, uh, advocates that exist on the Republican side. My hope is that the great uh, the folks that are non-declared, and that's a large audience, that's a big part of the electorate, are going to be the ones that are that are moved, and I think that's where the promise is.
0: Now, seven states held primaries on Tuesday. Is there any evidence that voters were influenced by what they've learned about the insurrection and Donald Trump's alleged role in it?
1: Well, these primaries, I mean, it's it's important to understand what a parlor game they become. It is such a Uh, With the exception, I think Pennsylvania had kind of a robust turnout. But just to give you an example, uh, in the Newark Newark primaries, which were nonpartisan but are still in this time frame, uh, the mayor, uh, incumbent Ross Baraka, won election with 13,000, that would be a 13 with three zeros, out of a city with 165,000 voters so i i think that they're not really they're a measurement more of the organization and passion of uh the various factions in american politics uh i am optimistic that the pollsters could be wrong again it's also important to understand conventional wisdom leonard is has not had a great batting average shall we review otherwise if we had they would have a president hillary clinton that did not happen uh and so they didn't see Donald Trump coming. They didn't see him going. Um, and it's also important to understand that in, uh, in 2018, we saw an unprecedented surge in voter engagement. I mean, it was near record levels. Mm. And that was uh, the one that really turned the tide for the Democrats.
0: 538.com reported that incumbents struggled in Tuesday's primaries and that moderates won against opponents from both the left and the right. Uh, Were there any surprises in your state, New Jersey, other than uh, that Senator Bob Menendez's son, also named Robert, won the Democratic primary in the race for New Jersey's eighth congressional district?
1: Yeah, uh, feudalism continues. Uh, No, uh, I would say that there wasn't really uh, any surprise. Again, it's a small sample. uh, And I would say that... um, uh there is no doubt that the current uh economic condition uh is going to weigh very heavily five dollars ga- a gallon gas is a real thing um the reality is that um, we're now starting to feel the fact that we didn't get built back uh better in place and so you're seeing uh what is not widely reported but the 200 million dollars that uh, uh mayor adams has to cut out of the budget the city education budget Hmm. A large part of that is that there is going to be a limit to the federal money, and we didn't back it up. And so we were not able, the Democrats, even though they nominally control Washington, couldn't raise the minimum wage off of $7.25, where it's been stru- uh, stuck since 2019. They cruelly extended the uh, child expanded tax credit for a few months, lifted 40% of America's single parents with children out of poverty, and then threw them back in when Manchin and Cinema had a hissy fit. Mm -hmm. So it's a very dicey time. I mean, it's uh, Democrats have a challenge because they haven't really come through and delivered because of the dysfunction of their own party and the solid obstructionism of the Republican Party. And working people are really hurting uh, as a consequence of this.
0: And there's been a lot of uh, talk about gerrymandering being done to benefit Republicans. But uh, Democrats failed in their attempts to redraw New York's congressional district to favor their party. And now with uh, court-ordered redistricting, Gerald Nadler or Carolyn Maloney, possibly both, may be out uh, as of next year. Well, so, so that, yeah, that would affect Democratic control of Congress, wouldn't it? Well,
1: well, and, so, and listen, uh, with a handful of seats right now between uh, with what Nancy Pelosi has to hold on to control— any one single thing or two things could make a difference. The reality is Democrats cynically overreached and they were punished. They ended up having a, an upstate Republican judge upstate uh, uh, do exactly what you described. And the Democrats haven't been handling it well. They've been turned on themselves. Um, uh, and then also, I mean, it is just, uh, you know, it's one of these things right now where uh, I do think that there's a kind of um, – Uh, I'm glad these hearings are on right now. I think that uh, it is going to bring back the seriousness and gravity of it. Um, I also think that we're still dealing with the after effects of this pandemic, which is very much still it's not talked about anymore, but it's still people are still dying. Um, It is it is dicey and it requires people remain uh, really focused and it's like not be distracted. Because all of these issues, these things that are coming at us are connected, and we, what we have to do is find the thread and make sure that we leverage our efforts and our activism to where we can have the most impact.
0: I'm talking about politics with Bob Henley, uh, who, among other things, has a radio show here on WBAI, but writes for Salon, the chief leader of the news organizations, has a, a book which we will talk a bit more about a little in a little while. Um, now, uh, uh,
1: Leonard, one thing I got to correct: I'm at Labor Press. I'm no longer at the Chief Leader.
0: Okay, <laughs> I will take that out. Yes, eight, eight Democrats joined Republicans in opposing an increase in the minimum wage a year ago, and the minimum wage hasn't been raised since 2009. Are, are low-paid workers making any gains? Um, right now, uh, we're facing the highest inflation in, in 40 years.
1: Well, I would say that they're actually losing ground. There, is, uh, there was a, a really um, uh, important analysis that was put out uh, by the Institute for Policy Studies, which tracks CEO pay. And this just came out a couple of days ago. Of the 300 companies um, that pay the lowest get-by with the, you know, um, low-wage workers, uh, there was an exaggerated increase in the amount of money that went to the top. And actually, in many of these companies, in dozens of these companies, workers actually saw a decline. So, CEOs payers at these 300 firms increased by 2.5 million to an average of 10.6 million. And so, the average worker pay is still stuck mm-hmm. around $23,000 a year. So, people are getting crushed by this. And so, the whole conversation is being uh, when they talk about inflation, it's the cost of money. And so that's kind of an abstraction. And so what we're made to believe is that uh, the government spent too much money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is a consequence of money. uh, There's too much, too much money chasing too, too few goods. And so what they want you to do is not to take a look under the hood at a system that increasingly has all of the wealth gravitate to the top and then not have it in circulation at the bottom where people spend things and turn over the economy. And so this American pyramid scheme is at the worst it's ever been. We're past the Gilded Age. We're into something else entirely. And it is a form of feudalism in the 21st century.
0: But you wrote recently that organized labor has made progress against corporations like Amazon and, and Dollar General. Um What were those gains? And haven't stockholders, especially large investors like public pension funds, taken aim at corporate leadership? Has that benefited workers?
1: Well, it is still a work in progress. What I say by making progress is that in Starbucks, uh, there's roughly, I think, over 100 uh, individual locations that are moving towards having a union. Uh, In the case of Amazon, we had the successful vote of the very large facility out in Staten Island. Chris Smalls led that effort, the independent Amazon labor union against Amazon, who spent millions of dollars to Mm -hmm. fight it. So you have got your foot in the door. That doesn't mean that uh, you're not going to run into tremendous resistance. As far as the stockholder movement, uh, it is true that we saw recently the Amazon vote. uh, We saw uh, city controller uh, uh, Brad Lander and state controller Tom DiNapoli joined by officials of that same kind of uh, rank in Illinois and other public pensions actually vote billions of dollars of stock the public pensions hold against um, this one director, McGrath, uh, who is on the Amazon board, who was in charge of the compensation for that company, and they were paying over 200 million dollars to the top guy, 400 million to the top four, and 27 percent of the independent stockholders Voted, uh, voted her, uh, voted no for her. That's the beginning. I have seen this happen uh, before, where where shareholder uh, motions are introduced, and the first time out they get twenty seven percent, but over time they gather steam. It's just one tool, and what we are seeing is that there is a movement to hold public companies accountable.
0: On the other so hand, you, yeah. workers uh, at a unionized Starbucks in Ithaca are charging union busting because the company is closing their shop. How have New York or New Jersey state governments or the federal government reacted to anti-labor moves by Starbucks, Amazon, Dollar General and others?
1: So this is something that is really, um, to a large degree, regulated by the National Labor Relations Board. And if that's a federal matter, there are things that can be done at the state level. Uh, The thing that's pending in Congress, which would make a big difference, is something called the PRO Act. And what that would do is limit the ability of companies uh, to do things uh, to flout the law. Because one of the things that happens is uh, there are clear guidelines and democratic principles that are baked into these uh, labor recognition uh, um, approaches. And what ends up happening is the companies will run out the clock even after there's a duly constituted certified election for a union They will sometimes just close the location. Mm -hmm. That was a dollar general strategy. And so what has to happen there is you have to have a multi prong effort. You have to have the federal government uh, actually prosecute these cases when they do this. And then you can have a state response to support it, too, even a municipal one. In New York City, for instance, there's been a lot of progress made. I know it sounds like not a big deal, but requiring delivery workers have access to a restaurant's bathroom. Uh, requiring that there be a, a schedule which is articulated ahead of time. So it, it has to happen at every level. There has to be a municipal focus, a state consciousness, and actual federal action. And then also consumers and shareholders have to make their choices as if these decisions by these companies regarding labor and the environment matter. Well, Workers
0: as well. Workers at one Amazon warehouse in Staten Island voted to unionize, while workers at a warehouse nearby voted not to.
1: A much uh, smaller, much smaller yeah. house. But add, was that a matter
0: part-time. of divide and conquer or is something else going on there?
1: No, I would say it was um, partly it was it's a part time facility. The one that didn't swing uh, the way the union wanted was part time and much smaller. So uh, if you're part time. Uh, there's uh, And having worked in these different kinds of environments, you are aspiring to be made full time. So your whole aspect, how you're plugging this into your life, it's also not your entire life. So you have a more casual relationship with it. If you're full time, uh, then you, uh, you know, you're right. Your life is wrapped up in it. And so you might be willing to take a risk. If it's part time and you hope to become uh, full time, then the company has more leverage.
0: Now, Amazon has moved to to keep the hearings on the Staten Island vote closed to the public. Why would it want to bar public scrutiny?
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, because it, it adds up uh, to anything that adds to the profile of this and gives the public a look inside of it is free advertising. The other thing is that, you know, Amazon is also having a problem because it has to retrench a bit. Its eyes are bigger than its stomach. It went and expanded, and now we're seeing evidence that they're trying to pull back a bit because they have too much air, uh, warehouse capacity. And that's not pretty either. I understand that Jeff Bezos is also uh, selling stock. There was run report of that. Uh, and so it's going to be very important that we pay very close attention um, to like, making sure and following up that when someone, these outfits, when a young uh, people like Chris Malls and that movement win, That's just the beginning of the fight. So we have to, like, demand, for instance, that the NRLB not cave and make this hearing public. Uh, We have to make their fight our fight.
0: Let's talk about something else you've written about recently. Martin Luther King announced a Poor People's Campaign in 1967. How are Reverend Dr. William Barber and Dr. Liz Harris, who are among the leaders of the Poor People's Campaign, well, uh, doing in, uh, in, in their hopes to advance what uh, Dr. King began 55 years ago?
1: Well, I would say that um, I, just, uh, I just saw that uh, uh, Reverend Barber and uh, uh, Mr. Redmond, vice president of the AFL, so came up with a great um, op-ed, the head of the uh, number two at the AFL-CIO, um, calling for a more compassionate America, putting the spotlight on the essential workforce. Uh, i think they're doing well i mean i think one of the um uh, where we are historically is that work has changed i think that uh, a lot of the low-wage jobs um, became kind of highlighted during the pandemic we became aware of the fact that there's this vast workforce that makes life possible it's like you know it's like the like the Lazy Susan, right? Things that just move and we can't figure out how it all happens 24-7, and yet it's human beings who paid a tremendous toll and are still paying a tremendous toll through the pandemic. And I think that this, there's a synchronicity to this. Um, and I would be also in 2020, they actually played an underreported role in helping the Democrats win, you would not have a Senator Ossoff and Senator Warnock mm. if not for uh, this this cohort of voters. Isn't there
0: a march on Washington schedule for June 18th, which is just a week from tomorrow?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, y- you it don't
0: is. hear much about it. Are they, the media showing any interest in the march?
1: Well, I, I would say that um, it is one of the social media now does create like this opportunity for a parallel narrative. Um, I think that uh, it has been building. Um, I've watched. Uh, it is true that you know, in the current media environment, uh, we do have this uh, kind of a weekly reader thing that goes on where today's theme would be mass shootings. Today's theme is January 6th, and we can't do multiple things. Uh, but I do think that uh, at the grassroots, uh, this comes at a time when there's never been. I mean, the Department of uh, NRB. Is processing an unprecedented number of applications for unionization. There's never been anything like it in the history of the modern NLRB.
0: Are the media showing, uh, 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 looking into issues confronting the poor and workers in general? Uh, No,
1: I would say no. no, no, In the the polls,
0: how concerned are voters with issues facing the poor and low-wage workers?
1: So here's the thing. I would say that that's part of the problem. One of the demands from the Poor People's Campaign is for President Biden to meet with uh, low-wage workers. Um, and I think that uh, that is something where when you have a media that is uh, based in advertising, the, the, the what are they directing the programming at to people that can afford to go on a Viking cruise or need that second Mercedes-Benz? Maybe you need liposuction, whatever it is. Uh, You're right. They're not speaking to the analytic of people that are struggling to get by. That doesn't mean they don't exist. uh, And it doesn't mean that um, there isn't a forum and a nexus where you can connect. And I mean, I will tell you, uh, when I got into reporting related to the Dollar General struggle, I mean, one of the, uh, I did a piece recently about um, Dollar General, which is located in 18,000 different locations. It very much targets Struggling communities of color; um, they pay uh, very poor wages, and they've uh, raised they've,
0: the rate. It's a, now it's like a dollar fifty, general.
1: <laughs> right, 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 And and more importantly, what they do is things like they'll take expensive brand names and put them in small packages eject up prices. Mm-hmm. But I ran into uh, a brilliant woman who is a single mother, uh, lost her partner uh, recently, Kenya Slaughter from Louisiana, uh, small town of Louisiana. In the middle, worked for Dollar General, still does as an organizer with stepped Up, uh, Step Up Louisiana, which is affiliated with the Poor People's Campaign. And not deep into the pandemic, she's realizing that she's in the front lines of this this COVID uh, situation. And she pens an op ed to the New York Times, rec- and it requ- it drives the company to provide PPE and basic protections for all eighteen thousand locations. Now she's my nominee for a MacArthur mm-hmm. Grant. So the more time you spend in this space, the more inspiration you will find. You have to go looking for it, but it's there.
0: Well, Reverends Barber and Theo Harris have written about waking the sleeping giant: poor and low-income voters. How did they hope to do that with the march?
1: Well, no, I mean this this march is the culmination because it's going
0: to be really voter turnout. It seems to me is right. the key here. It's,
1: actually, it's in it's in it's it's a march and a march to the polls. So. The march has been like one uh, one phase of something that's been going on for a couple of years now, going back to Moral Mondays in North Carolina. Um, in the in the twenty twenty election, out of the hundred and sixty eight million votes cast, fifty eight million were poor and low income folks.
0: In twenty twenty, so, about thirty five percent of the voters were poor and low income, right, exactly. which helped and Biden so, get elected.
1: Exactly, and so but that meant that twenty two million of folks in this cohort that are struggling did not vote Hmm. in New York, New Jersey. That's 400,000 votes. So what's been happening is, uh, for instance, we, last week, Reverend Barbara came and uh, Reverend Theo Harris came to Newark and they were in Lancaster the same day. It was a God awful schedule. These events have been going on around the country. Now, does it get on television? No. Hmm. But that does not – that you can't just measure your success. If you're going to look for validation for the mainstream, you've got to have another line of work.
0: You're listening to It Lopate at Large on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. Speaking to one of my colleagues here at WBAI, journalist Bob Henley, we've worked in public radio over the years at a number of different stations, uh, and now we're, he <laughs> has, and now he has a show on Monday mornings called "What's Going On." And you're not going to be preempted next on Monday because your show is an hour before the the uh, the coverage that uh, BAI is going to give
1: to the, the hearings. I'm hearing this for the first time. You're a very good communicator. Maybe have a future in management. Yes, that's good news. Yes, you're right. Uh, and I like the way you say that um, uh, we've worked at a few radio stations. Um, I think there was only one we had in common. makes it seem like we've been not able to hold a job.
0: No, well, we've worked here together, and we worked in, sure. in, in, in sure. uh, at WMIC together.
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah.
0: We were talking about uh, the uh, the past records of politicians. When he was first elected governor, Andrew Cuomo condemned unions. Eight years later, when he ran for a third term, he said, quote, I'm with organized labor. I stand with labor. I always have. So how is organized labor faring in New York and New Jersey? How, what has Kathy Hochul done on labor issues recently and, and Governor Phil Murphy?
1: Well, I would say that... Um uh, she does seem to have gotten uh, strong support From uh, the mainstream union movement I think the rank and file There's a lot of support for Jemani Williams uh, I mean, unions are not monoliths And one of the things that's happened Is that you do have leadership uh, We had this happen with uh, uh, Senator Clinton, right? In 2016 The fact that unions lined up behind her didn't prevent uh, a huge defection in critical states uh in the rust belt states with trump effect um and so it's like i say it's hard to talk about the uh, i think unions right now are are having to scramble a bit because the energy that's coming from young people and from working people uh in some ways is is more militant um i think to some degree unions the institutional framework of unions was caught by surprise by the upswing Um, you do see uh, I would say the SEIU and the CWA uh, were seem to be a, a little better positioned in terms of that they were pushing for 15 early on and so I see certain unions in a position because they were more militant to begin with more in sync with this generation it would appear I think that they're faced with the same challenge of succession planning. I think that there's a lot of uh, lot of unions at the top uh, have a situation where some leadership feel that um, too much information, you know, if they have too much education and information, they're going to end up promoting their successors. There are other union leaders who see that as part of their job that it's important that they bring along a support and nurture new talent. So unions are not different from any like. Public broadcasting, It's just like any other institution. The Poor
0: People's Campaign notes that turnout among poor and low-income voters was particularly influential in the uh, presidential race in Georgia, Arizona, or the swing states. Is there any evidence of how those voters might be engaged in this year's midterm elections, especially since many of the Republican regions of the country tend to be poorer? So do you see that affecting Republican policies regarding low Wage workers and the poor Or immigrants well, and minorities that,
1: I, I I don't think that I mean the, the Republican Party um, There was At one time a Republican Party That would have uh, things That write white papers called How do we increase the big tent That is no longer That's an artifact that no longer exists It's now um, a, a personality cult There may be a few uh, Republicans Like Lynn Cheney um, But like I say, they're more oddities and representative of the nature of that particular group right now. So what's happening is the whole conversation is left to the Democratic Party. So you have a range within there uh, and you do have uh, an increasingly um, uh, large and uh, I would say um, robust progressive movement that is is coming of age and it's a challenge for more corporate democrats and uh this thing that's happened with mansion and cinema uh with them blocking um even uh, even things like the basic biden agenda i mean it's important to understand build back better wasn't you know uh the impact of that is, is significant and that's not being talked about it's democrats don't want to focus on it but losing that momentum has caused some real pain and so i will say that i think the combination of issues related to reproductive rights um what's been happening with this insane gun policy that those are things that can move the center and i think then following that up with a grassroots campaign that gives people a sense that they can actually uh acting together have an impact on The course of their own lives and so that's that's really grassroots stuff and i mean one of the things that's discouraging is that the democrats i'll give you an example of something uh they passed the expanded child tax credit last year in the american rescue plan as we speak right now five million single moms single parent households with children have not collected and still could collect uh 14 billion dollars that's sitting in the u.s treasury mm. now you should ask yourself um, you know a good example i would give credit to aoc you go to her congressional website and yes there's kind of a cheesy picture of her holding a kid a baby not hers okay but there's a, a there's an actual calculator there leonard you can actually put in the numbers it's english and spanish it tells you how much you could get if you file for this it's like thirty six hundred dollars uh per kid and so you have to ask. I think it's incumbent on democratic officials uh, to make their business to make sure that they're uh, get in the weeds, roll up their sleeves, and help their their actual constituents get this. Because when you do this work and ask why isn't someone collecting this, you see the the, the disempowerment of our economy. Why don't people collect this money? And it can be like seventy two hundred dollars, right? Is well, they not have Wi Fi. They may be undocumented, but their children may be citizens, and they're afraid if they collect this money, which can be game changers for their families and help them catch up and rent. This is the work that elected people and people of conscience need to do to help people who have been working and struggling but can't get that last tenth of a mile to feel empowered because then the next conversation out of that is, why aren't you registered to vote? So when you can help people actualize in their life, then they can actualize where they vote.
0: Last month, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said his goal is, quote, to get wages down to fight inflation, which is now at a a 40-year high. If lower-wage workers already have trouble affording things, what effect will suppressing their wages have?
1: Well, you know— Or is he talking
0: about uh, keeping wages down for wealthier people?
1: No, I I think that— the, this this is when you get into this, this crazy world where th- the idea of keeping uh, stable the value of currency is like some kind of religious quest. And so I would say that, you know, uh, it's important to look at just how disconnected uh, the central government is from the experiences of, of people. Uh, and that is, you know... We have, um, i give you one example of how pernicious corporate um, economics are right now. Lowe's, which people I'm sure they're familiar with. It's at, you know, like Home Depot, except mm-hmm. that it's blue. Right. They it's use 13 billion. Not like billion, the movies. It's L-O-W-E-S. Exactly. With the $13 billion the retailer spent on stock repurchasing, the company could have given each of its 325,000 employees a $40,000 raise. Instead, the median pay I think is like twenty-two thousand six hundred ninety-seven dollars. Of course, they gave their uh, CEO a massive multi-million-dollar bonus. What's happening is these companies are kind of out of ideas, so they're using uh, the money to buy back their own stock, which is a form of self-dealing. And this is going on. And the other thing is that, for all the ringing of hands about Donald Trump that crazy upside down tax structure that he and mitch mcconnell and the republicans put in place is still functioning the way it was designed and so i mean i do think we really do have to take it to the corporations here and that's why uh the democratic party itself has to really uh uh i think make as a litmus test this whole question of taking corporate funding and that's one of the fights that's been happening in these progressive uh, battles between the mainstream corporate democrats i mean why for instance you have to ask yourself we're coming through a pandemic we lost a million people we have 20 uh, like i don't know 20 million people with some kind of long-term effect at least a million people have been uh, knocked out of the workforce by this disease wouldn't you think logically universal health care would be the first topic we'd address but notice it's not even on the list of the top five things endorsed by MSNBC to talk about. Mm.
0: My guess is Bob Henley, and we're talking about issues in the news. Um, This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. The wealthy and, and corporations have been buying up residential properties since the financial collapse in 2008 and the Great Recession, and then renting it, a trend that's accelerated during the pandemic. Isn't it especially pronounced in parts of your state, New Jersey?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. There's a very important study put out by Rutgers uh, by Dr. Trout. Uh, the Rutgers
0: Centers looking. on Laws in Inequality and Metropolitan Equity. And it's right. called, the study is called Who Owns Newark?
1: Right, right. It is, it's a blockbuster. And so one of the things that uh, they found is like something like 47% of all the single family homes that were once owned for generations by primarily uh, people of color. Uh, are being sold to uh, to um, LLCs or to you know uh, Wall Street type firms for exactly what you described, not to flip them so that another young family can come and move in and start the process again. No, it's to jack up the rent an inordinate amount and turn a city that was uh, that had at one time homeowners into um, uh, renters for life. It is a form. That's why I said to you, this is a different period. This is kind of like a new serfdom. And this is the result of when you concentrate wealth on this, and when every, every institution is about protecting wealth. And that's where we are now. And, that, and what ends up happening with this loss of home ownership is a decline in voter engagement. It's kind of like the gradual unraveling of places. And so you have uh, that's one of the things I think that's contributing to the low ter- voter turnout. In Newark, one of the things you see is that people that own a home have a sense of place. And there's also the practical reality is that when you're a tenant and you have to move based on the vagaries of the market economy, you're more likely to fall off the voting roll.
0: Do the tax system and other features of law governing corporations foster greater inequality?
1: Has Their it- entire <laughs> – exactly. Yeah, I would say that that is one of the things that's fundamentally – Distorted about this country is that for all of its uh, Christian work ethic blather It punishes work in its taxation system and rewards idle capital It rewards investment capital It rewards cold hard cash that doesn't break a sweat That they want to keep accumulated in ever larger piles In climate controlled rooms or Bitcoin, you pick your poison mm.
0: Hasn't CEO compensation increased dramatically during the pandemic?
1: Well, as I say, asked and answered. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's happened is that there has been this, uh, and we're kind of schizophrenic about this. Uh, You will see that um, in the way that we kind of, I don't know, it's uh, we uh, so admire the accumulation of great wealth. So we also permit people like uh, Gates and, um, Bezos to be able to pontificate on the direction of society, we we um, um, uh, kind of attribute to them a great intellect and great capacity because clearly they are monarchs on Earth and they have done something of great consequence. So that gives them the ability to pontificate on everything else. And so, uh, as a result, uh, the, we also see um, every so often there'll be a story. Remember, the New York Times was so upset. When a stagehand uh, was making the low six figures to move a piano, um, uh, you know, at Carnegie Hall, this was a scandal. How could some when you see someone operating a train or someone that's doing a civil service job and they have some kind of, you know, 90 some thousand dollars a year that must be punished. And yet we talk about people making billions of dollars and the prevarications, of Elon Musk and we worship that that's fabulous. Isn't
0: Mayor Eric Adams a landlord? Is it true that he's been found to have engaged in some shady real estate dealings?
1: Oh no, that—that's—that's that, kind of like I'm not going to go from that was like if A is true and B is true. No, I—I I would say yeah, he's a landlord. He's had trouble uh, filing, doing his taxes. That has been where he's had to go back and. Uh, but I mean, I think that would be a little bit. At least my reporting would indicate. He's had to go back and change his filings, but when we're talking about a city on the scale that has things like um, um, the, that uh, tenement that was up in in the, the Bronx, um, um, you know, the park, um, that situation that where uh, I guess sixteen, seventeen people died. Mm-hmm. I mean, that because of the fire. Know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think it all and, and 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 Mayor Adams has so much going on that we can talk about. Um, I wouldn't ding him on that.
0: Uh, Legislators in Albany failed to pass a good cause eviction bill. Will the end of the pandemic protections for renters? uh, uh, With that, what's going to happen to the renters who can't afford housing costs?
1: Well, that is a serious issue. Uh, One of the things that um, uh, we did see, one of the things that Mayor de Blasio, um, uh, although I'm not a big fan, one of the things he he did accomplish was making this commitment that people would be represented in in tenant court and housing court and uh that did show that it it does when it happens when people get representation it does result in reduction of homelessness i am really concerned about the uh we are seeing in the paper uh the run-up of rents uh the scarcity that's happening people are uh, seem to be coming back to some degree not necessarily to to work in in places but to live in manhattan again and so uh and in other parts of the city uh and so it is going to create a tremendous burden on on working families that are in the margin uh and i do think that you know i don't um i don't really see uh certainly not having uh Bill back better uh in place uh is is, is going to make that very difficult and i mean there is a connection between the the failure i mean the federal government right now can't even pass a follow-up to covid pandemic support while it's sending tens of billions of dollars to the ukraine and so this is all going to have a trickle-down effect uh and turn and for instance like there there, it's clear that there's this NYCHA trust thing that uh the the legislature pushed through which is to create uh, an opportunity to kind of monetize um, uh, some of the housing and provide an opportunity to get some kind of private cash infusion. All of that is being driven because the the government is walking away from its obligation to public housing. Uh, and so, no, I, I think working people are in a vice right now.
0: Uh, even in democratic strongholds like New York city are issues of, of violence and public safety helping conservative politicians.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> Except when you look at the footage from January 6th last night. Right. And so the footage there of the tragic irony of, uh, of Blue Lives Matter flags and American flags and Trump flags being used to beat Capitol police officers mm. uh, kind of uh, put the lie to that. I would say that um, you and I have been around for a while. So, you know, I remember starting out as a reporter uh, back during the crack wars, back when I was at The Voice, where. We were talking around 2100 homicides a year we're nowhere near that it is true that uh we're seeing an uptick and we do have a problem which has been with us for a long time which is generations old which was the decision to close uh, uh mental health facilities uh that came out of the horado rivera reports which exposed terrible abuse of the mentally ill Uh, And yet the response was to close them down. We were supposed to open up community based satellite, small scale, more humane type uh, uh, institutions that did not happen. And so in New York and really across the country, uh, the mental health uh, um, uh, folks that are mentally ill, they are being stored in libraries, in the common spaces, in the jails and this has been a societal failure and so it is sad to see mayor adams who came up through all that period of time and was an advocate as a police captain for police accountability kind of go back into that script of that kind of um you know reactive policing when some of these issues are so deeply embedded in the stinginess really when it comes to these basic social service needs that we've not met for generations now?
0: Well, I guess what happens is people get upset when they see somebody sleeping on the subway uh, or in, uh, in an alley. Um, and, um, they don't think about all of the reasons that those people might be there. Um, just one more thing before we run out of time. Uh, the districts run by Democrats in Albany would have uh, undermined Staten Island Republican Nicole Malliotakis. Uh, and the, the new court-ordered district thing is more likely to undermine Democrats. Is the the legislative and electoral machinery, not to mention the judicial machinery, promoting a conservative agenda in this area?
1: Well, I would think in the way it played out in New York, uh, 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 probably. And that was because I say earlier, the Democrats overplayed their hand. Um, I think that uh, we need to go with a nonpartisan approach here. Uh, And so uh, I do think that um, this idea of um, it's such an insider game and they do find ways to promote themselves. And it I mean, the entire architecture that we look at here is is based on minority rule and you start from the from the federal level, which gives every state two senators. And we know that this architecture was a way to Mm -hmm. make sure that we could keep slavery in place. And so uh, I think it's important to revisit these institutions. By the way, are we going to do we need to raise some money? I I want to do that
0: right now, uh, uh, Bob, (laughs) because we've come to the end of the show. And I think it's important that we inform our listeners about a serious problem, that WBAI is now two months behind in paying our tower fee at four times square, which comes to $17,000 a month. And we're asking our listeners to consider stepping up and supporting this station as we struggle to stay afloat during these difficult times.
1: Well, I would certainly, I've done this before, and I will say that if you can manage to send uh, $125 to support the Tower Fund or become a BA buddy and uh, credit this show, uh, I will send you, and I've done this before, Leonard, your, your listeners seem to like this book, uh, Stuck Nation, Can the United States Change Course on Our History of Choosing Profits Over People? By myself, with a lovely forward mm-hmm. by Richard Wolf. it was published by Democracy at Work, and I will be glad to send that to where you live or where you want it sent and signed.
0: So when you call in to 212 2950 or go online to give to WBAI.org, what what should they say uh, when when they become members? That they want the book? How, how do they, they want
1: I, the book. They want the book. And uh, of course we'd like to have them, I think it'd be in their own interest to become a BAI buddy. Hmm. Uh, but they mentioned the book. This has worked before. It's been registered as a premium. Uh, I understand that we're doing better At uh, getting the premiums out I know I get the premium out Because I mail them I walk to my little post office And drop it in the mail
0: Yeah well people have been uh, Becoming members to uh, And uh, taking the premiums The books that we've been discussing On the show and I think that's uh, partly because we've had some pretty interesting books on this show. Uh, we've really, uh, we, I'm so grateful to WBAI for giving me the freedom to, uh, to decide on what is relevant in our time and not right. just do the same thing that everybody else is doing. Let me give out that number again 212 209 2950 or give to WBAI.org. That's give, to, and. WBAI, the number two, WBAI.org. But you got to do it right now because uh, um, it has to be connected with this show. And as uh, as, uh, Bob has pointed out, you can also consider becoming a sustaining member. Now, you can become a sustaining member for less than what Bob mentioned, um, for $10 a month or more. It still allows us to plan for the future. And if you do um, we'd be happy to uh, thank you with a number of perks, including a WBAI tote bag. But either either way, uh, we hope that people will call right now because BAI doesn't take ads or foundation grants. We used to work for another public radio station that did. Um, this allows us to be completely free speech radio. And that uh, is really an incredible
1: luxury, isn't it? Yeah, I would say. I would say also that right now um – particularly because all these issues that are now on the front page of the entire country, we've been talking about for decades. So we've been the keeper of the narrative, and we need you to advance the narrative and make sure that this is here for generations to come.
0: Okay, one more time. The number, 212-209-2950, or go online to to give2wbai.org. Now, we're off on Monday. Uh, and a number of other days next week because BAI will be broadcasting the public hearings from the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. But we will be back on Tuesday for another live show. Have a great weekend.